This is Julio Rodriguez, and this is the Lookout Landing Podcast. Don't sweat the technique. Welcome to the Lookout Landing Podcast. We are back with another very special episode of our Why I'm a Mariners Fan series. And today, on the other end, we have a award-winning comic artist and a designer who currently has a Marvel art exhibit at the freaking Smithsonian in New York City. Also a big-time Mariners fan. Please welcome Jeffrey Varagi to the show. Jeffrey, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on? Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. This is a pleasure. Uh, we are trying to get as many different um, sort of perspectives and backgrounds and different um, different lenses into the Mariners, so we are very excited to add you to the mix, and we're glad that we could make some time to chat with you for a little bit. I, I'm so excited for you. Anytime ch- talk baseball is, is a good time to talk. That's what I'm saying, especially in the middle of the winter where it feels like it's so far away and, you know, baseball feels like such a distant thing now. But to be able to talk about it or at least think about it a little bit helps sort of bridge that gap until spring training. Oh, definitely. The uh, It seems like after the World Series, I, I get my evenings back, but I don't know what to do with them because they're spent watching the Mariners and then, you know, the playoffs. So it's me and my wife both struggle to try to figure out what are we going to do tonight <laughs> Yeah, maybe you should start a podcast. That's helped me fill a lot of time this winter. <laughs> if you need something to feel really self-important and talk to people uh, in a way that's kind of, uh, in a way, like a, a thing for you that's also for everyone, I would totally recommend starting a podcast. Oh, yeah, it sounds like fun, man, but I'll leave that to the pros. Oh, wow. Thank you very much. Uh, I don't know if pro is the right word, but I'll take that um, as, as, a, as a huge compliment coming from you. So, uh, Jeffrey, let's just start at the only logical place to begin this conversation, which is at the beginning. Uh, how did you originally become infected by Mariner Osis, if you will? Was this something through your parents, or did you become a fan sort of organically? What are your first memories? When did you know that you were hooked? I want to know everything from the earliest point you can remember. Well, I remember one of my first baseball caps was a Mariner's cap uh, that my parents got for me, the old Trident, and I still love that design. Uh, that was back in the early 80s, uh, late 70s, and, uh, you know, just been a fan of baseball for, I would say, most of my life. I think it really took off in the teen years. Uh, growing up on a reservation, baseball is a religion. There, well, actually, I think I always say there's like five religions on my reservation. There's the the typical you got the Christian faith, but then you have pro wrestling, Elvis, baseball, and the Seahawks. So it's uh, it's just part of who we are. Baseball tournaments all summer long, starting in May uh, and ends through uh, Labor Day weekend, and you travel all over the, the state with uh, your your cousins and your brother, your your family, just to play baseball against other tribes. The Mariners, however, I wasn't always a, a big Mariner fan. I, if I'm going to be honest, uh, I, I I'm a comic book artist, and I was going to a con, and I thought, you know, I want people to know where I'm from, and I'm going to get me a Mariners hat. And I, the more I thought about it, I thought, you know, I should be rooting more for them. They are my home team. That's I'm proud of where I'm from, and, and I want them to represent, you know, represent them and them represent me. So it wasn't until that epiphany. My wife, she's been a Mariners fan 
since the 80s. She's uh, was a big Griffey fan. We started dating. Her room was littered with Griffey posters from all all in the early days. This was like 90, 92. Interesting. So can you, for the listeners maybe who don't know your background, uh, can you explain the reservation you grew up in, what part of the world that was, sort of how that uh, sort of came up as... I mean, you mentioned that there's the Mariners are a big thing, the Seahawks are a big thing, Elvis, which is something I didn't know. But what is sort of the the baseball culture on the reservation like? Oh, man. It is... Okay, so my tribe is the Port Gamble's Clown tribe. We're in, by, we're in Kingston, Washington. So for those of you who don't know where Kingston is, it's a half-hour ferry ride from Edmonds. The, uh, the reservation itself... It isn't enti- entirely big, but most of the families uh, is pretty athletic. It's uh, basketball in the spring and the, the summer, or no, basketball in the fall, winter, baseball, and spring and summer. And there, we had guys who played football, but football was never a, a big a thing. My cousins, when they were younger, they were a lot better ball players than me. Uh, a lot, of, a lot of state championship teams, uh, little league championship teams, uh, uh, native national championship teams they were all much better athletes than i was and which is why i'm a comic book artist today yeah oh trust me i had a very similar experience where i also grew up playing baseball and doing a little bit of the the travel tournament circuit and all-star teams and then once puberty hit and you realize that some kids could actually now throw the ball hard and hit it a lot farther than you that's when i was like i wonder if i could maybe think about the game and write about it in a way that sort of gives me that same fix but i don't have to worry about getting pegged with a 95 mile an hour fastball yeah and that's the thing that that's a great way to go about it i uh you know i rode pine a lot of the games i had a, you know i'd get in there or late games when we were we generally were never losing so we were always winning so i'd get to go in there when it was a landslide and and get at least maybe one at bat and, and get to field for a couple innings or a couple half innings but I never. It was a team camaraderie, just being there with my cousins and my my, my friends, and just being a part of something. Uh, just you all spoke the same language, and yeah. it was a it's a passion. It's not just you know playing the game, but just knowing the history and the lore that goes into this. That who who played before and and the legacies that they they set. Yeah, so something I'm always interested in when I talk to people uh, for this podcast series is, would you say, in the early days, were you a Mariners fan first or a baseball fan first? Like, which one was sort of the origin of your fandom? Baseball, totally, uh, was was thing. I really started queuing into the baseball around uh, 88, 89 with uh, the A's when you had the Bash Brothers. You had Jose Canseco, and I think every – kid I knew loved Jose Canseco. Uh, this was 40-40 club era. You had Mark McGuire. You had the, the A's were dynamite. You had Ricky Henderson, who I still love Ricky Henderson. Uh, the Dave Stewart, Bob Welch, Mike Moore. I mean, him going down to down to the Oakland and just that change of venue, what that did to his game. I mean, he was already a, a pretty good strikeout artist, but his, his game definitely went up up a notch there under uh, was Tim Duncan wasn't he the hit pitching coach then uh you are asking the wrong person I was not following the late 80s Oakland days very closely oh yeah <laughs> so it just was that and then grew into baseball cards and just reading stats over and over I used to love getting packs and my favorite thing to do was to try to make up a starting lineup of the players that you had 
Yeah, I think that I had a I had that for sure. I think that baseball cards, and I don't know this um, to be a fact. I guess you mentioned before we started that you have a son, so I guess I could ask you through him. Um, is it still a thing for kids to be collecting baseball cards, or is it sort of like I imagine there's ways to do this virtually, probably that I'm not aware of. But like, does your son have the same interest in baseball as a whole, or baseball cards more specifically? Yeah, you know, my boys, they're not into baseball as much as I am. Uh, they, they like it. They appreciate it. They certainly love playing wiffle ball with their old man when in the summer times. But uh, they weren't into it as much. Uh, my nephew, he collects baseball cards, but he's not hes not too heavy-duty into it. Uh, that's, that's one thing I love about being an adult and having eBay is you can get all these rookie cards that you wanted growing up that, like, oh, man, I want a Carlton Fisk rookie. Get a Carlton Fisk rookie. You can get uh, pretty reasonable. It, it's it's a good thing and a bad thing because you see all these guys that are Hall of Famers that have such amazing achievements on the diamond, and they just don't have the value that some some cards, the newer cards, do. Right. But, There's definitely something too to like the tangible thing you can hold in your hand. Like for me, baseball cards and reading box scores in the sports section were like really. I think the if I didn't have those, I don't know if my baseball fervor would have been where it was and obviously it helped for me that the Mariners were just on every day like growing up in a place where the local you know sports station had the Mariners that was huge but like learning about other teams and you know like people like Ricky Henderson like you said like having the baseball card that shows not only his stats but like how cool he was in the picture that was enormous for me oh huge remember the Bo Bo Jackson one Um, two sport Bo Jackson score did it it was for the nine was for 1990 set and it was a football baseball it was a black and white that was such a cool baseball card Bo Jackson he was incredible right and I worry that now like baseball players are cool now in such a different way like they almost feel like they've all had their personality sucked out of them and they're just like they speak with their play which is pretty cool I mean like I'm I love bat flips and all of the on-field celebrations but it doesn't seem like they have the same sort of cultural impact as someone like the Bash Brothers, who I mean, did you see the the Netflix thing that they made? With oh Sandler? man, that was a that was so funny. Right. Those guys, I love Lonely Island. Yeah, that was that was pretty good. Well, I always wondered speaks... what Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco thought about that. Yeah, and that just speaks too to how big of a thing they were. Like that was thirty years ago when they were in their primes, and like you can still make something today that like people understand and know. I don't know if you'll be able to do that with like. I don't know, I'm just thinking, like, maybe, like, Alex Bregman and Jose Altuve. I don't think they have the national sort of clout that the Bash Brothers did. Not even close, if we're being honest. Oh, yeah. I, you know, that that's the thing. Uh, the uh, There's players you definitely see that have that kind of magic, that transcendence. But you see somebody like Mike Trout. That guy is the greatest hitter I've ever seen in the majors uh, that I've got to see live. Uh, he tears the Mariners up, it seems like, every time we see him. And and it's kind of a bittersweet because I love seeing such a great player and do what he's known best for, but it sucks because you're doing it against your your club. Oh yeah, you my don't... biggest my biggest wish is for Mike Trout to go to the National League so I can just fully support him with my entire heart because he is the best. I I think yeah. we're never going to see someone who can do what he does on both sides of the ball. Like his hitting is, you could argue that there's been hitters as good as him, but there's never been someone who can hit like him and play a premium position like him. Yeah, but you just don't see the players crossing over. I think the last big name that you think about, really, that's it goes into it goes TV appearances and, and things like that is Ken Griffey Jr. I feel like he was the the last one that we had 
that was that kind of uh, name recognition out off the field that say like Bo Jackson and them do that Mike Trout and, and players like him don't and definitely Altuve and them uh, they're great they're great to watch I you know I'm concerned how much did we see was as a result of the cheating scandal that we're we're all hearing about but uh, yeah I just don't see that yeah, I think maybe Derek Jeter might have been close to Oh, that. Jeter totally, yeah. But yeah, you're, you're totally right, right, though, about the thing where, like, baseball players, uh, they don't have maybe, like, the... I guess it's it's part of the, the new wave of baseball itself where no one really seems to care about being a superstar. I think that is definitely part of it. Like, Mike Trout, if he had his druthers, would probably not do media at all. And that's totally fine. That's his prerogative. But it doesn't help you know the sport of baseball the way that Ken Griffey wearing the backwards hat or Derek Jeter hosting SNL did so I am I've been waiting for a while for a player to come up who at least tries like who at least wants to take that torch and be like you know what I'm pretty good at baseball but I also would like to you know be on camera and you know have movie cameos or whatever have my own signature shoe like I think that would be massive for baseball and you think somebody like Bryce Hart Bryce Harper, he might step up and, and can fill that role possibly. I mean, he's definitely had moments where you thought, yeah, he he could be, he could be that guy. Juan Soto definitely during the the playoffs really showed he had that kind of magic. Yes, oh my gosh, absolutely. And I think that's for a lot of Mariner fans. It's hard not to look at Juan Soto and think that our minor league crop right now can you know do something similar. Obviously, the World Series oh. is very very yes. aspirational but it's not hard to think oh you know julio rodriguez similar profile about the same age same personality like you know it's good yeah. to at least have dreams because for a while we had just nothing going in the minor leagues. that arkansas team i wish i could have went to some of those games just to, to watch them play this last summer i bet you they were the, the the talent that's why i really like having the rainiers in tacoma because we can now have that ability to go see these guys play in minor league ball and in the majors and, and watch them come up, come up, uh, come up and, and just do the team right. Do the yeah, city right. It's totally like what we have to do right now too, during the rebuild is kind of, kind of reframe everything in terms of the future, which is fine, but it's, you know, it's an exercise in patience for sure. Oh yeah. And, and we had, you know, glimmers, uh, Crawford, he looked really good last season. Uh, he had some stellar moments. Uh, Kyle Lewis, he's, he's one of those guys I think has that magic, uh, he just felt like when he's up at the plate, there's some, something could happen, something great that you're going to see. Yeah, oh, I you know, totally agree. Yeah. And just thinking about Julio Rodriguez, Evan White, I can't wait to see him. And now, is he coming up this year or is he getting invited or is this how, what I've that deal? Everybody keeps saying that he, he might be up. But yeah. The fact that they traded Navarez today, maybe that, that's making room for him the roster. The organization seems to be hinting at the fact that it's Evan White's job to lose at first base. So he'll definitely be in Major League Spring training. And as long as that's not a complete disaster, I think we will see him starting at first base on opening day. Because I'm now really the thing is also there's him. no one else who and, can And Hanny being healthy again to see him out there in the outfield. Uh, I think we got some great guys. I, I You know, Seager was looking awesome there towards the end uh, after he started warming up and doing he, he lost some weight there he's not playing hurt i i really would like to see him have a continue to have that com, coming into the next season 
Yeah, before we get into the current stuff, I do want to sort of circle back to your early days following the Mariners. Because you mentioned okay. it was like 88, 89, you said, was your estimate for like when you started to really follow and care about the Mariners. So I'm curious. Uh, baseball, general, yeah. Okay. So I'm and curious, back in the, the Kingdom days, and those were some great games to go to. The, the tickets were always cheap. Uh, and and then my tribe, they used to always give my tribe uh, free tickets. To, it was all the nosebleed seats, but still you got to go watch some good ball uh, play there. You got to see Scott Bankhead. You got to see Eric Hansen in his prime, well, his one good season. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you, you got to see Junior come up. You got to see some of the old Dave Valley when, you know, it was Harold Reynolds. It was AD and even the Hackman. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because I was curious if your if your like earliest Mariner memories were pre Griffey. And then the next logical question is, well, then who was there to latch on to? But you just listed like five or six. Yeah, names. I love Mark Langston. Mark Langston's actually still my favorite all time Mariner. Really? Okay. Yeah, I, I just loved Mark. I, I really, th- him seeing that, that game against the A's that year uh, in the championship was a hard one to see uh, for him because you wanted both, the, you want the Mariners one, but you also wanted to see him succeed. I always thought that uh, he should have listened to Don Mattingly. They would have had a ring by then. <laughs> New York would have won if he'd have went to New York. <laughs> So what was it about Mark Langston? Like, as a kid, what did you think, like, what do you think drew you to him in hindsight? Just the fact that he was the best pitcher on the team, or is there something more than that? Just the best pitcher on the team, and he just had that cool factor about him, you know? He he didn't, he, you know, you know, they show that scene of him moonwalking, he gets embarrassed, but that's when the moonwalk was cool, you know? And it's still a cool design, it's still a cool dance. Uh, but he just had that, that, that factor, you know, the it factor I, I, that drew me to it as a player. And, you know, no, I can't imagine anybody not loving Alvin Davis when he was there, too. I mean, he was – and Harold Harold Reynolds was awesome. Yeah, it's so That's funny, why When too. he went to Baltimore, that, that you know, that was a sad day, I always, always thought. It's funny how, like, the Mariners as a specific entity sort of make you love the guys who aren't necessarily – great like you i mean alvin davis was good you know harold reynolds yeah. is very good but we don't have like you know it's there's not like the yankees or the cardinals or whatever where you have like true legends of the game on your team at every point like you really have to like figure out a way to still enjoy baseball and enjoy your team without having hall of famers at three different positions yeah you know and, and it, it, i always wonder about what would have happened if griffey and, and randy would have stayed with us how would that have changed the dynamic of baseball here in Seattle I know it's very hard not to get into what ifs with the Mariners because that's kind of all we have now we don't have the like the comfort of like well at least we have the one ring it's like well what if you know this had broken this way or this had gone that way or you know if they make one deal at the deadline in 2001 or whatever it is like it's so funny to sort of think about all of the ways that the Mariners have sort of recalibrated your brain to sort of deal with hypotheticals rather than the actual things that have happened. Because when you get too deep into the things that have happened, it just leads to you being sad, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I know people, I have friends that are, you know, they, they're just saddened because this this rebuild year has, it was tough for, for a lot of fans, I, I believe. Uh, it wasn't easy, but, you know, you try to find something good. You know what's coming out of this. You know that they're... Uh, starting over that is a chance to see 
build i i, I kind of like the idea of it because you're, it felt like we we're starting from scratch a little bit we just kept a few key ingredients and went from there yeah, but I, I do know people that do. they were, they, you know, they felt like they've been betrayed too many seasons, especially to go after a 90 plus win season to go the direction that we headed there. Right. So how much of the 2019 season did you consume? Because you mentioned that like it was kind of a logical splintering point where you have 2018. It's a really fun team that's competitive and then they get rid of basically the whole roster. So I think, like you said, for a lot of fans, it was like a season to kind of just check out. Did you... Were you still like following the team pretty closely, watching nine innings every night, or what was? Yeah, your, your I level? bet you we missed maybe a handful of games. If that, uh, we we kept we were pretty loyal watching. Went to uh, four game, four or five games this last season. Uh, it, we we were still devoted to watching the boys play. It's the home team, and you're always going to root for them. Uh, I I wasn't as disappointed because I mean I didn't expect them to win I thought they'd win 73 games 72 games is what I kind of expected and they came close to that uh, was it championship level play no but we had some great games we had some great at bats we got glimmers of the future which that's that's what excited me was you you could see it you can you could, you're starting to see that at the end there I thought I believe well, yeah, and that, that idea you're talking about of the, like, you can see it, you can feel it, like, you know that something is happening, that's sort of how I felt about 2018, where they were so competitive, and even in first place at certain points, where you're like, I can imagine, and there were certain weekend games, too, where you can, you know, look at, if you're in the stadium, you can feel it, if you're watching at home, you can see it, and go, this is what a playoff game would look like, and then it, obviously, the bottom fell out of it, but, like, I remember saying out loud multiple times last season or 2018 whatever um to people like yeah they're gonna they're gonna do it like i was trying to do the like speak it into existence sort of thing i'm not really big on jinxes or anything like that so i was telling myself basically until august like yeah they're gonna do it they're gonna make the playoffs like they'll at least get a wild card game and then who knows what'll happen and i think that for that to sort of fail so spectacularly i mean the end of 2018 was oh that's yeah, it was bad. <laughs> and for it to go down like that, like that's why I don't hold any resentment for people who were like, "Yeah, I took 2019 off," because I think that's a healthy thing to do. And like, obviously, being super loyal is you know another way people do fandom, and I think that works for people, and that's another healthy way to do it if you're doing it right. But I don't think that there's like any shame in sort of being like, "Yeah, you know, the circumstances surrounding this team have made me very sad, and I'm choosing to detach for a little bit." How do you feel? Yeah. What is what, what are your thoughts? I'm sure you've interacted with people who have told you that they've sort of taken a step back or, you know, turned the season off completely. Yeah, yeah, there's people who've turned they haven't turned the season off completely. They're like like I said, most of my friends, my cousins that we still talk, watch baseball, my uncles. Uh, I think we're all in the same same place. I think that we especially beginning of last season when you thought, Oh, these guys maybe they are defying the odds. maybe they can defy the odds with this lineup. And uh and then the end of this 2018, I don't think anybody was totally ready to walk away, but you, you definitely start arguing, well, what was this move? What did this move bring us sort of thing? You know, we get into a lot of good debates about that, who we should be trading for, who we shouldn't be trading for, who we can trade away. Yeah, and I'm, I yeah. remember when we got Span and Colomay, I was like, this is a perfect move. This is the opposite of what the Mariners have been doing for so long, where the move they make 
backfires. Like they, they were the perfect role players that we needed and they were contributing in big moments. And that's what led me to think like, okay, this feels like a playoff roster because now it's not only the superstars, it's the, you know, it's the ninth, 10th and 11th guy. And, you know, the, the setup men who are all in a solid position to help them break through. And then obviously when it doesn't happen, that's when you start to sort of reconsider and be like, well, what if, you know, what if they did this or what if they did that? And then the big one is like, well, what if they had just started to rebuild a little sooner, you know? So there's a lot of ways to sort of get in your own head when following the Mariners, as I'm sure you can know uh, very yeah. well. And I think, you know, uh, you know, D Gordon, he was such an amazing part of that, that first half that he carried such energy and he does carry such energy on the field. He's a, always a pleasure to watch. And he's one that I hope you know, I understand they need to trade him, but he's not one that I'd, I'd like to see go away anytime soon because I think that a lot of the younger players could definitely benefit from that spirit and energy that he brings to the club, the clubhouse. Oh, yeah, you're preaching to the choir. I'm a big – I mean, I know that it's, you know, not smart analytic baseball to talk about, you know, the, the clubhouse guy or the vibes or whatever it is, but I think that is extremely important, especially when, like last year, you know, the whole thing was like it doesn't really – matter if we're winning or losing it's about building something and d gordon is the perfect guy for that especially when you look around and realize how many black players they had in the clubhouse like that doesn't mean nothing you know what i mean like there's people who are gonna scoff at that and say oh you know like you know baseball is baseball but for some of these kids especially you know there were we had i think three or four southern black guys on the team last year and that's exactly what d gordon is and he's been doing it for like eight or nine years in the big leagues like i do think that there's a lot of value in just having someone to show you the ropes. I mean, it's the same thing at any real job and like in an office or something. If you have someone who looks like you, talks like you, is similar to you, you're going to gravitate towards them and that can, you know, speak volumes for your work. So good work habits. Yeah. It's all, you know, they're all so impressionable and you want that. You want somebody like that in there. And you know, that's how, you know, I felt like the Dodgers were with Chase Elliott. I'm a big Chase Elliott fan. I know some people really (laughs) don't like him for his, uh, for that play against in the Mets uh, playoffs. But uh, I think that he was one of those kind of, kind of players also that you just, you need somebody in there to to ignite, but you also need somebody in there to cool down, who knows how to cool down. Who's been, who's been there and and experienced it and can share that and and understands probably the just the hardest players, but the soft players as well that, that need that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think, I mean, the one of the real tragedies of recent uh, Mariner history is obviously that they couldn't do anything to help Felix get to the playoffs. They obviously tried and tried yeah. and tried, but part of me then also because now you know once once the the final game happened last year, you start to think about Felix in the past tense, which is sad, but it's kind of what we have to do now. And I did think at one point, like I wonder if Felix just didn't maybe have or want to be that that clubhouse guy and like really be a culture person and I'm not trying to put blame on anyone it's just sort of a natural thought experiment where because that's one of those things that like as fans we have no idea what's happening you know behind closed doors and you start to wonder like I want like is Felix a guy who will you know be one of those vocal leaders is he a rah-rah guy or is he like just someone who you know will go out and pitch eight shutout innings and look at the young guys and be like that's how you do it and you know and you have to wonder does that work for everyone like were there did Michael Pineda you know jive with that or whatever like I don't know if you have thought about this or if you want to weigh in but I just remember thinking when we were watching the last Felix game which I was in the stadium for like man I wonder what just didn't click for this franchise or with him that stopped them from fully achieving their potential 
you do you especially when they brought out the commercials there uh you and highlights you think about all that he achieved all that he'd done for the team and to not win a championship is is tragic it's just a tragic i you know he he did he he really struggled here last few seasons and you know i would get upset with him and i'd get upset with service if he, he who i thought he was maybe misplaying him but you have to remember he could have took a huge he took that pay cut i think and he you know he could have went to new york he, uh years ago and he he signed with us he signed this long term deal commitment and and that's what i always respected was that that he honored that commitment and the mariners did right i Same certainly thing with like people like edgar you just don't see that kind of loyalty as as much these days and and i like that i like seeing players stay with the same teams i i'm not one that likes seeing a bunch of trades that's why when we get these guys you get hanniger and i i i love hanniger he's a great player i think he's you know he's a five tool guy i think he's got mvp caliber here in the next three to four seasons he's uh he's amazing but then you start seeing people these headlines saying, "Oh, we sh- here's some trades for Hanniger, or this is what we should get for Hanniger. This is something." It's like, why? What? He, give the guy a chance to play and just let him stay in Seattle and be great for Seattle. Yeah, I do think. I mean, yeah, there's a lot to to unpack there. I think that the the main thing you're talking about, I totally agree with. Where like, I have no ill will towards anyone who chooses to stay with one team, even if it does sort of prevent them. Like Felix, like you said, could have easily. That season when the off season before he signed the long extension, he could have just sort of zoomed out and been like, well, if I go to this team, we are absolutely making the playoffs like that's a layup and then done that. But he didn't. He chose to stay here and try to build something. And obviously, you know, it didn't work. But that doesn't mean that Felix was wrong necessarily. Like it means that he made the decision that he wanted to. And, you know, yeah. in life, sometimes things don't work out. But I do think that the um, the thing you mentioned about Mitch Hanniger, um, I think that like Obviously, a lot of it is tied to bad luck. I mean, it's not anyone's fault that he fouled the ball off his testicles, but there is some... Once that happened, I think it was very easy, like you said, for people to go, oh, well, now his value is going to tank. We could have traded him when we had a chance. And I think that that is one of those things that's just sort of very inherent to being a sports fan is always trying to play armchair GM and say, oh, you know, we could have traded him here when his, like after the 2018 season, his breakout, it would have been... I mean, it makes baseball sense to look at that and you're already rebuilding and say, oh, we could see what we could get for him. But I totally, like, I have sort of a a still, like, sentimental, romantic view of baseball where I want the guys that I love, which Mitch Hanniger is one of those guys, to be on the next playoff team. And the same thing goes for D. Gordon, although I don't think that one has really any chance of happening. But, like, I do... I'm the sort of Mariners fan and sports fan at large where I do get attached to players as foolish as it is. And I want to pose this as a question to you because it's very um, common, I guess, for Mariners fans is when guys leave the Mariners and then go on to greater success or play in the playoffs. Are you still wholeheartedly rooting for them or are you the guy who's like, oh, my God, like I can't I can't do this. It's like watching an ex state someone else. Where do you stand on like James Paxton pitching in Yankee Stadium in the playoffs and stuff like that? I was I was rooting for him. Uh, I it depends on how they leave. I get is is for me, but for the most part, when you see him in the playoffs, it, it's you know I find myself rooting for them. I don't want them to be the goat. Seeing, uh, uh, who was our left fielder for the Brewers? 
Ben Gamble. Yeah, when you seen Gamble, I didn't want him to be the last out or anything like that. Oh against, right, yeah, 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 against, against the Nats. Yeah, but uh, for the most part, I find myself rooting for him. There, there's certain players definitely like Paxton. I I loved Paxton when he was here. It was really hard seeing him in Yankee and pinstripes. Uh, but I wish him. I hope he continues to do well for them. You know, and I hope for like as far as like Felix goes, that if we do make the playoffs in the next couple seasons, that there's a way that we can bring him on that roster to get him the ring that he he deserves. Oh man, yeah, I've never even really thought about it like that. But yeah, if you just do like the the August trade to just bring Felix back and have him, you know, be the a one inning guy out of the bullpen, I think that's a win win for everyone. <laughs> yeah, and give him that opportunity to to be part of that. That that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, best case scenario. Yeah. Okay. So what are you um, most, I guess, excited about right now with the Mariners? We've mentioned you love Mitch Hanniger, but I'm curious about sort of the younger guys, um, the new wave, if you will. You know, it can be either, I guess here, let me ask you this first. Of the young guys that we saw last year come up to the majors, which one do you think is like, is your guy? Which one do you find yourself really like latching onto the most? Uh, Kyle Lewis, I think that he showed everybody that he was, he is what he he was in the minors. That he's lived up to that potential and he showed it. You know, I, I, he's, he's he set a home run record. Uh, he he was absolutely amazing, and he carried himself with great presence on on the field. Off, you know, you could see him during the games how he was. He carried. You know, I just love and respect that. JP Crawford, he's another one that I'm looking forward to seeing next year a full se- you know full season. And, and seeing what he's capable of, the numbers that he could put up, and his defense has gotten so much better. The yeah, no, uh, I th- Marco, I love Marco. Uh, I like seeing him. Kikuchi, I'd really like to see see more of him. To see uh, there was games where that he was absolutely brilliant, and then there's others that you know he he's still learning the still learning the league. Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, that's to be expected with with young players. I think one of the more foolish things you can do as a baseball fan is expect everyone to come up and be what Kyle Lewis was last year, where he's just, like, immediately setting the league on fire. Like, that's just not realistic. And especially with, you know, all of the the failed prospects that we've had, um, which leads me to my next question for you, is, like, when you have someone who has so much hope and potential, like, you know, an Ackley or even like a Danny Holton who never made the big leagues. Like, what does that do for your fandom, especially as, you know, a fan of the Seattle Mariners specifically? Does that make you start to question the organization or, you know, start to think about curses and all that? Like, what does it do to your psyche seeing the Mariners try their hardest and continue to fail for 18 years? I... I... Oh, I mean, that's kind of a tougher question. I think the the players to see great players come up and they show such promise, and then to uh, burn out early on in their careers, uh, it's always sad to see that. But you remember the good games that they gave you, and Ackley is a is a perfect example of that. Pineda, you know, he was another uh, to John Walker. Uh, they're all good. I, you know, I would like to see us pick up to John Walker uh, this this season, and bring him back. Hell yeah, we've been talking about that amongst the staff, how it just makes a lot of sense to give him a chance. Oh yeah, totally. And and I think it doesn't, for me what tests me as a fan is the maybe lack of hustle. Okay. The the lack of hustle or 
emotion. Maybe there's not enough emotion at times. Sometimes it, you know, but you don't see it all the time. But you, you start seeing around August, you know, guys are getting tired. You know that, you know, they've been on the road. They know, they, they, they see the standings. And you wonder how much is it now? Is it just an automatic mode? Because everybody does it in every job. You do that. So baseball, to me, wouldn't be any different. Yeah. That that doesn't necessarily test my my patience or my well it tests my wife's patience pretty good <laughs> the it's funny because our dogs uh they won't come into the room in, during ball ties and mainly it's for my wife she's a huge huge fan and, really and so oh uh, yeah can i interrupt real quick i want to know how has that changed your fandom having uh, someone so close to you also be so into it because i know for me personally like i'm pretty into the mariners obviously like i think about them talk about them write about them a lot but it's very refreshing i think when i meet someone who doesn't care at all about them because then i can sort of turn that part of my brain off so i'm curious what it's like to have it be the other way where you know your your wife person that maybe knows you better than anyone else is also on that same wavelength where it's like all i want to do is watch the mariners and talk about the mariners and think about the mariners did it was it just like two two stars colliding sort of situation or how did how did that how did that come about Oh yeah, my wife she understands so me on so many levels, but the baseball part is the one thing that we that's our thing together. It's it's you know, it's why we go to the games together. It's it's our time. It's our it's our it's who we are. It's part of who we are. And and it's fun. It's just it's my best friend. I get to to go to games and watch games with my best friend. We don't always agree on on calls. We don't always agree on certain players. Uh, she see I like Verlander I think Verlander is an amazing pitcher I liked him in Detroit I still like him in Houston even though I don't like rooting for him when we were playing against him but she absolutely no how can you root for him that's like me rooting she rooting for Tom Brady she just <laughs> it's it's just as bad <laughs> in her eyes I've never really thought about the the Justin Verlander Tom Brady comparison but it definitely is there I think she's onto something with their you know they have very similar. I would say demeanors and person. I mean, both married to supermodels, both very, very, very successful at their job, but also very grading. Like, I'm gonna have to store that one away for later use, maybe with credit to, to your wife, obviously. But yeah, it's pretty good. And that's and that's the thing. That's that's the magic of baseball. I think no matter who you are, uh, no matter where you're from, if you are a baseball fan, you can start talking start talking and everybody has their favorites everybody has everybody knows stats they there's comparisons there's always that thing I, there's friends that, that i don't we don't get along and see eye to eye on anything but baseball is the one thing that we can talk about and not get offended we might get upset ask- with certain certain trades or certain comments we might leave on each other's posts but uh-huh. it, it's the one thing that i think that is it doesn't matter who you are it's one of the it's uh, you know, it's that's why I love about it. So let me ask you this. It's one of my favorite questions to ask Mariners fans. Which uh, team do you hate the most? Because I think when you're when the Mariners have been so lifeless, it's hard to have like a real rival because everyone is just beating up on us. So which of the which team do you have the most hatred for? Oh, uh, the Astros. Okay. I, I I really really have a distaste for the Astros. <laughs> now they got some great guys some great talent I, I you know i love grinky i wish I, I i really liked him i like verlander cole was amazing to watch it, it just it's the swagger it's the 
it's all of it and then you know it then that you you see the new allegations and it just fuels that flame even more and it's frustrating they just it's frustrating to see that that you know we're going to get there someday but you want it sooner yeah i think for me and i'm not reason- a general fan of the rangers either it might just be uh those types of players although the rangers have some guys that just maybe it's just because they have certain players that you know if they're in the lineup they're gonna they're gonna go yard on it yeah yeah no i think that's yeah i completely agree with everything you're saying i do think that the astros have become almost the new yankees in that sense where they're better than you they know they're better than you all their players are you know liable to do something amazing they all have giant salaries and they like you know maybe are in like a like evil is a word you could use to describe both of them and especially oh now, like, yeah the cheating thing, they like totally said. the Yanks. i mean they, everybody always talks about them being even better than the bronx bombers the original murderers row you know i i don't know about that you know we'll <laughs> wait and see yeah let let time be the, tel- the test for that but they are they're they're totally the new villains <laughs> Yeah, for me, though, everybody during the World Series, I I only knew a few people that were rooting for the Astros. And you look at their lineup and you think, how can these guys not win with that with that pitching that lineup? I would not want to pitch. There would be no rest. You would get no moment to pause. Right. For me, I think that the team that I will always hate the most just because of my when I was a kid, the Angels were the team that was just always just kicking the shit out of the Mariners and they were doing it in a way that was like very professional like during the Socha years the Angels were kind of the opposite of what we were just saying about the Astros where like they were very unassuming they had a lot of just like solid dudes like Garrett Anderson Troy Gloss all those guys were just so annoyingly good John Lackey same thing and like John Lackey was a great pitcher I see I liked the Angels back then I was uh because of the like I like Darren Erstad uh Jim Edmonds was awesome Tim Salmon you know when they got that when they won that that championship with Tim Salmon it was good to see him get a get a ring for the years that he played all the years he played there with the Angels Uh uh you know when they went and got Hamilton you thought oh man there get get Hamilton. They got Pujols, and yeah, they've had good, Gary Anderson. He was awesome. And whatever happened to Garrett Anderson? I think he just aged. I'm pretty sure he just you know he had a decent career, and then I think just retired. Like I think he was. It was very Garrett Anderson in that way where he just you know he came, he saw, and he he left, and he he did his thing, yeah. and he didn't really make a scene. But I totally know what you're saying. Like if I had been older, I think I would have had more of that like respect factor for him, but. As a as a kid who was like learning to love baseball and the Mariners, I was like, "Fuck these guys! All they do yeah. is they don't like." I'm kind of the person too, where like I would rather if we're gonna lose, I would rather the other team at least look like they're having fun, and the Angels were not that. And now it's done kind of a, a my feelings on the Angels have done a 180, where it's like now I'm mad at them because they can't figure out how to get Mike Trout to the playoffs. And it's like, as much as I do hate the Angels as an institution and want the Mariners to finish ahead of them in the standings every year, I do kind of, like, start to feel myself, you know, like, getting upset. Like, the way you would with, like, someone who you who you want to see succeed, but they're doing things to, like, you know, harm that. It's like, why yeah, don't you guys just it's just natural. You want to see you, – you know that he's a great player. You know he deserves a much bigger platform for people to see and really appreciate how special he truly is. I don't think – I don't think every I don't think everybody realizes that how special Mike Trout is. 
Yeah, he's the one who we were to go back to our original discussion. He's the one who you'd want the rookie card of now. You'd want to yeah, have totally all of the Mike Trout stuff and all of the memories. Like I still remember him. One of his most iconic plays that'll go down. Like whenever he goes into the Hall of Fame and they do his little sizzle reel, the one of him robbing Jesus Montero is gonna be in there. We're gonna have oh, to yeah. live down that every single time, and then that's gonna just gonna lead me to think, man, if only he could have done one of these things in the playoffs. Like if he could have had the postseason that Juan Soto had last year, we would be talking about Mike Trout as one of the greatest athletes of all time. Yeah. And Soto was just absolutely amazing. If you weren't in love with that guy as a player before, before the playoffs, you definitely were afterwards. That's what I loved about that nationals team. They just were gritty. They just, they wanted it and they kept finding ways to, to win and to beat, defy the odds. Yeah, I thought, too, when I was watching them, they had a lot of 2001 Mariners to them where, you know, not everyone on the team is an all-star or, you know, is the kind of guy that would make you say, we don't want to face them. But together, like, they were one of those classic, we are better than the sum of our parts team. Like, you have guys like Mm -hmm. Howie Kendrick and Azdrubal Cabrera and Kurt Suzuki. Like, those are like the Mark McLemore's, you know, or the... Yeah, and everybody forgets how good howie kendrick used to be he was uh, he was a great ball player yeah that goes back to the angels younger days with the angels yeah 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 but okay so then on the Juan soto uh conversation i want to know uh how much you have invested in julio rodriguez what do you know about julio how much are you following him because he is i think our best opportunity to have a prospect similar to soto or similar to these guys who come up, Acuna, Aaron Judge, who just come up and immediately take the game by storm. Well, I do like what he was saying there about being, that's going to be us someday during the playoffs. Yeah. I love that about him. Uh, just, I, I like it when you hear players like players talk like that already. And I love what you hear about that, that team he down there that they were playing. It was, I, I can't wait to see, to see him up. I don't know other than just sheer ability that the guy is something. I'm I actually I just pulled up his stats really quick here and to see what he was hitting. Yeah. And to do it at multiple levels too. That's so hard to do when yeah. you're a kid to you And know. you keep climbing, keep climbing and he's, where's the where's the threshold? Where is it at, you know? And this is a guy you you don't want to see get hurt. You don't want to see him being led astray you don't want him definitely don't want to play on the 86 Mets uh, <laughs> the uh yeah but you you want you just want to continue to see him get nurtured the right way that you, you wonder is he the next does he have Griffey potential for the Mariners I mean yeah or it's A-Rod cr- well I don't know about A-Rod but definitely Griffey well it feels crazy to compare anyone to those guys especially a 20 year old but like it is sort of the natural like when your mind wanders and you think about you know if everything breaks right for the Mariners he totally is Griffey A-Rod Ichiro like all of them kind of rolled into one in a way like he has bits and pieces of all of their games and the thing that like I mean you've mentioned you love just sort of his personality and the things he said one of the things that I've heard him say was that one of his like tangible goals is whenever he debuts he wants to break a-Rod's Mariner record for home runs and I love that like I love yes wanting to you know like you mentioned this and we're, we're doing a lot of callbacks but it's like I want them to care I want them to think like these are my guys I am a Seattle Mariner and it's not just my employer it's a, something that I that I want to see succeed because it can be very easy I think 
especially for guys of the 2010s who came up to not the best situation with the Mariners. And they're like, oh, well, I guess I'll just play out my rookie contract and, you know, see what happens. Like, no, I want you to think this is my opportunity to change baseball. He uses the term break baseball all the time. Julio Rodriguez says he wants to break baseball. And to hear that was just so refreshing. And I don't think we're too far off. I mean, we see a lot of teams that are we're doing this that are really starting to pay dividends, not just the Astros. You got uh, uh, Minnesota. They start looking Tampa, mm-hmm. bring up some guys. You, I think, it, you, you know, we're we're starting to see this new generation. And I think we're going we're coming in. I think the odds in our favor. I think that we're going to live up to this potential that these these boys are setting that uh, they want to win and they want to be the guys who does it? Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to give them the ball, give them the bat? That's that's going to be. It's going to make these seasons, these these the real tough games even sweeter. Yeah, and this is. I just f- want to make sure that I get seats for those games. Oh, that's man. my biggest complaint. Is I want to make sure I still get seats. <laughs> it will be a show for sure because there's going to be a palpable energy around, especially if Julio comes up and just you know does what we expect him to do. Like, there's going to be such a buzz that we really haven't seen. I mean, we felt it a little bit with Kyle Lewis, but it was September, so it has kind of a different feeling than if it's opening day. But, like, that first – Julio's first opening day in Seattle is definitely something I want to be in attendance for, no doubt. Kelnick, too. I'm really excited about him. Yeah, we haven't even uh, mentioned him. Yeah, yeah. you see what he – you know, he talks about what he wants to do in his career, and he's already talking about Hall of Fame, that nothing short of that is is what he wants. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing a guy like that play for us. That 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 he, yeah. his goals, you know. I hope he's not. I don't think, and I don't think he's a selfish ball player. But and by any means, by saying that, I just like the idea of, you know, what that takes and what he brings along to the teams that he he plays with. No, totally. Um, this is like my favorite sort of brand of Mariners conversation to have too, because I think, and I get it, like it can be very easy for people to become beaten down by the Mariners and, you know, always think that the the sky is falling. Like, I mean, we even just recently, like 2018, you know, they're playing really well and you still have that chorus of people saying this isn't sustainable. The run differential is blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you're right. Like, there's nothing factually incorrect about what you're saying. I just don't – like, why would you choose to think that way? You know what I mean? So that's yeah. why I love, like, you know, we could be totally wrong about all these guys, but why let ourselves do that? Like, why would you want to just be like, oh, you know, Julio's going to be whatever. Jared Kelenic is, you know, not as hyped up as he should – like, isn't as good as the hype, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, I want to – I'd rather be so wrong about them than sit here and, you know, sort of – have tempered expectations because if anything the 18 year playoff drought has just made me more excited for it to flip not the thing that a lot of people do where it's 18 years of you know missing the playoffs means that I can be very nihilistic and you know very oh well it's never gonna happen woe is me like I much prefer this sort of positive spin that you're putting on it even though it can be very hard and I don't fault anyone for having those thoughts but it's just for me personally and it sounds like for you as well like positivity is really the thing that keeps us coming back it's baseball it's a game it's fun it's supposed to be fun and as long as i'm having fun watching it and 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 they're doing i'll always come back uh i just think that why come in come into it could be either go south or could head head north you never know so that's what's great about baseball then if the gods are smiling on a pitcher a certain day 
then it doesn't matter who you are, who's in the lineup. Yeah, totally. I mean, you wouldn't have all these no hitters by guys who've never pitched pitch anything short, anything close to it. You still get no hitters from these kind of guys. The gods will shine, and you never know how long they're going to shine. Right. Yeah. You Shout know, that's you, that's Humber. what's cool thing. That's why you have these streaks that are so unbreakable because at one time it happened and you never know what's going to happen again absolutely so okay before we we get out of here i do want to sort of take you to a little bit of a darker place i just want to know because i'm genuinely curious about this with everyone i talk to was there ever a moment where you considered not supporting them as hard or like what was there what was your darkest or rock bottom moment with the Seattle Mariners. Can you remember a time where you were like, you know what, this actually sucks. Like maybe I'm having second thoughts or maybe it was just, you know, this sucks, we'll flush it and move on. But I feel like everyone has one moment where they can think of and say, that was my lowest point as a Mariners fan. What was that for you? Uh, I don't necessarily know if it was, it was, I have to say it was the, I felt like 2018 was one of those seasons I felt we came in the all-star break. We were looking so good. We started teetering off there right before the few games before there. Mm-hmm. You thought, okay, the guys just need some rest. Then uh, Cruz comes in. He does, you know, he lets, he convinces the manager to let Gene get a hit who was voted in by the everybody at that last minute. And he hits a home run. You think, oh, yes, this is, we're going to win. We're going to win. We're going to win. We're going to win. This is a sign. Yeah. And then Diaz gets in there and lets him tie the game. <laughs> and I thought that that there I thought was a, a dark moment because I thought it was ominous when it happened. Yeah. No, that, I, mean, I, I was watching that game. I mean, I think that that was seeing Mariners in the All-Star game was kind of a novel concept, at least that many. Like it had been so long. Yeah. And then, but I, I mean, I, for me, the all-star game is just exhibition. Like, obviously I was rooting for all the Mariners, but when I saw Edwin blow that save, I think my thought was, well, I'm glad he got it out of the way in a game that doesn't count. I wasn't thinking about it like you, where it's like, oh no, this is an omen or this is going to lead to, to disaster. But I mean, uh, you I know it is, it's going to affect yeah. the clubhouse. He just cost him a, a car, a new <laughs> car and, and a trophy and, and something that he, you know, he would have got. He would have got MVP of the game. Oh, absolutely! If, if that yeah. happened, I just had never considered that angle of the All Star game being the thing that sort of unraveled the the whole. For me, that's when I I kind of know. I, I I don't know. I tend to go. I'm more touchy feely with this sort of thing. The in the playoffs, you know, I always feel like that, that. You know, there's certain times you see the mojos starting to go a certain way, and you can tell. To me, it's obvious when you know that that which team's going to win at with the mojo not necessarily who's hitting but who's got that that magic that's coming in there and it, it's the little tiny things that always comes back and haunt them it's a called strike that would wasn't supposed to be a called strike it was mm-hmm. uh an over an overthrow from some, a player that never does it it's always those little tiny things that tips that balance and it just continues to go in the other direction. There's nothing you can do to stop that. And that's why I, you know, that's why I think baseball is magic. I think that there, you know, I'm a superstitious guy when it comes to stuff like that. I do believe that that uh, there are forces at work on that diamond. Yeah, I think to to just sort of let you in on my personal life a little bit. 2018, the season that we've been talking about a lot, was my first year at Lookout Landing. So I was following the Mariners closer than I ever had in my entire life. And now it's sort of fascinating to look back and actually have 
sort of like a diary for some of these things because some of the you can see like my tone in game recaps really start to shift post all-star break especially <laughs> in august and september and i remember also i wrote something about how i straight up ghosted the mariners i stopped paying attention for a week there was do you might remember this um Last year, 2018, the Mariners uh, are playing the Dodgers three-game series at Safeco, and I was thinking, oh, this is a great test, you know, a team that we've never really seen. It'll be yeah, because you know when you play, you know, the Astros 20 times a year, you start to develop a game plan and tendencies and all that. You know what they're gonna do with the Dodgers? I was like, okay, this is great. This is a neutral thing. We'll see how good the Mariners really are. And I think the Dodgers outscored us by like 20 runs in a three-game yeah, series. Yeah, it was. It was. Seems impossible. It was awful. Yeah, so after that, I was like, you know what, I cannot. I need to take a week break from the Mariners, and I wrote about doing this, and then, you know, obviously the season goes the way it does, and they don't make the playoffs. But I remember thinking, like, if this is how the Mariners are going to do every year, I will not be able to continue writing about them. So that's why part of me was like, thank God that in 2019 they decided to, you know, get younger, become more future-oriented, and not do the classic you know, we're going to chase 84 wins in the second wild card spot because it can be very trying to have a team, you know, be good, which is a crazy thing to say. I know, especially as a fan of the Seattle Mariners, but like you get this with the Seahawks too. I don't know how much you follow the Seahawks, but like them being contenders every year has made me very stressed out in a way that I don't necessarily love. So I do, I do appreciate, I guess is the right word. I appreciate when the Mariners are playing low-stress baseball, I don't have to live and die with every pitch. Yeah, and, and I don't mind that because the live and die is is makes it interesting and keeps it fun and keeps you on the edge of your seat. But after a while, so many of those games, it start to wear on you. And you know it's, it's, if it's wearing on you as a fan, it's got to wear on the players too. That at some point that they, you know, they're, they're going to take that break mentally and, and need to remove themselves. And I think like us... But they don't have that luxury of just turning the TV off for a couple of days and, yeah. you know, going and checking the box scores. You still got to check the box scores. I can't turn the TV off. I, I just want to see you know, just player performances, see what everybody's doing. But, yeah, but yeah it, it's tough. One of my biggest fears for sure is this idea that the players themselves will become soured on the idea of being a mariner because like if the losing continues and continues yeah. and it becomes like oh the mariners are the laughing stock of the league like the brand itself becomes tarnished like i don't want the mariners to become the cleveland browns or the knicks you know what i mean where it's like they're literally like people who don't follow the sport know how bad they are that's my number one concern because i think the mariners and part of this is geography i guess and just baseball not being as popular as it once was the mariners still have a little bit of like anonymity where they can sort of suffer in silence the way that the New York Knicks can't but I am like my creeping fear is that we're going to be talking about the playoff drought 20 years from now and the Mariners are just going to be like a punchline so oh I hope not I don't think so I think we got enough guys coming up that this is going to be I think this next season could be really fun to see uh if we have if if Kyle Lewis is up there you got Hanniger healthy Malik Smith or whoever they decide to use in, in center field or left uh, playing great and, and getting a chance to because um, shed long maybe shed long in the outfield. Uh, I think we got some sticks because on my mind I'm making up the team and I'm thinking okay we, where could we fill holes like if I had money who would I put in these positions like you know I like where these guys are at right now there's not too much I'd want to be doing to trade to, to trade up to get better because I think they already have that potential. The only places where you see it are in, in the bullpen and starting rotation and we're starting to see 
those trades coming through. Yeah, and I think, you know, in a rebuild, the bullpen should always come last just because the nature of bullpens are so volatile. You don't want to spend money on, you know, a reliever when your team's not going to be very good. But I co- I completely agree with you on 2020 is going to be fun at the very least. Like, I don't think they're going to be a great team. I don't think they're even going to be very good. Like, I'm expecting an under 500 year, but it is going to be a lot of fun to see what I think will be the first iteration of these new manners. And I think there is something very poetic about it being 2020, like a new decade, you know, clear vision, all that, like that pun is not lost on me. And then also, you know, we've moved on from Felix and Cano and Nelson Cruz and we're truly, it feels like we're truly turning a new page. And to me, that yeah, is we are, fun. you know, with Kyle being that actually feels like he's that last tie to the old regime. And I, and, and I like Kyle Seeker and I hope he sticks part of that as, as a team leader on there and, and, and bringing that stability kind of like a Zimmer, uh, Zimmerman for uh oh yeah 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 it's a good comp but right. these guys are gonna be great they're gonna be a lot of fun it's gonna be it is it's gonna be a lot of fun to, to watch watch them play and I'm looking forward to that first pitch of spring training I tell you uh, aren't we all well, and I love this time of year though the the trades it doesn't bother me because I love watching the activity uh, it doesn't matter who's whose teams they are it's just fun to keep track of everybody going through and checking out their numbers and seeing okay what what does this guy do you think brings to the team so when they we play him how should we be playing him yeah it is really fun i agree with you and 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 just educating myself so i can make smart bets with my wife while we're playing (laughs) while we're watching games yes okay well thank you so much jeffrey we're gonna let you go here um before we sign off i want to ask if you have anything to plug any social media you want to direct people to uh the floor is yours if you want to sort of talk about yourself and your work at all yeah no uh i like i work with comic book industry i work with marvel comics idw comics valiant comics as a cover artist just be on the lookout for my books uh also i'm have some new murals coming out in, in seattle uh downtown there there's going to be a 120 foot uh mural that i they'll be unveiling in april at a new uh hotel Wow. Uh, just looking for it. And the main thing, just looking for baseball to start. Looking for our Mariners to win. Absolutely, brother. All right. Well, I am at uh, mroberson22 on Twitter. Uh, subscribe to this podcast if you like the stuff that we do. As always, read Lookout Landing. Uh, and just generally be happy about the Mariners. It's all we can really do. So there's no sense in beating your head against the wall all winter when you could just, you know, be sunny about it. That's my yeah. that's my, my part. Yeah, you know, it's Schroeder's cat. You don't know if it's alive or dead. Make it alive then. Love that. All right. Well, until next time, everyone, this is the Lookout Landing Podcast. Bye. Bye. When you're out for me, baby, shame on you and company too. Baby, you're so I'll take my hand oh, Baby, I won't be